Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Everything Economics. I'm your host, Talia Murdoch. I would like to begin by acknowledging that we are fortunate to be able to gather on the unceded territory of the Coast Salish people where this podcast is recorded. In this episode, I'm going to be taking a bit of a different approach to the show. As you may have noticed, I didn't release an episode last week as I was out of Vancouver for my work's annual conference and only got back a few days ago, so I haven't had time to do a whole lot of research for a usual episode. I sadly don't have a buffer. So I thought what I might do is just talk about an economic concept I am really interested in broadly, provide my initial thoughts, and tell you what I will be researching to explore the concept in the next one. I want to see how this goes, if you all like it, and if it gives you an opportunity to send me your thoughts by tweeting at EveryEconomics. What I'm going to be talking about today is universal basic income. Again, I note that I have not deeply researched this topic like I usually do, and this is going to be more about me theorizing and talking about the concept of universal basic income, which I will sometimes call UBI. Now, straight up, universal basic income is something I am in favor of. Imagine a world where everyone, rich, poor, or otherwise, has access to a basic income that is needed to support access to basic human rights, like shelter, water, and food. Now, there are many people who are critical of this idea and feel like it is socialism gone mad, or just a result of overly entitled millennials who don't want to work, while others support the policy like I do, believing it is fundamental to reaching an equal society where everyone can be safe and protected from poverty. Now, many countries around the world, like Canada, Australia, Finland, England, India, Iran, and many more, have some form of basic income in play, usually via unemployment benefits and other types of social security. So this isn't something that is brand new. The concept behind most models currently at work that I'm familiar with is to support people when they are struggling. Every economy, no matter how large or powerful, will always have some unemployment because of changing seasons, evolving industries and business cycles. And when people are without a job and therefore without an income, well, we have decided as a society that they should be supported and not become so impoverished that they can't get by day to day. I know most levels of welfare are nowhere near enough to meet the cost of living, but something does exist to help, and the fact that this has persisted for decades emphasises that it is something voters and taxpayers, for the most part, believe in. I don't know about you, but there were many people I knew growing up whose families depended on social security payments. For a number of reasons, like their parents had medical problems and didn't have other skills to get a different full-time job that didn't further hurt them, but still had to feed their kids and send them to school, or with single parents who could only do so much work with the given hours in a day, or had just lost their job when the economy was in a downturn and people were getting laid off left, right and centre. It is things like having a bi-weekly payment of $500 or getting an annual lump sum to boost your income based on what you already earn and how many kids you have, or just getting $100 a week while you look for a job that people in these situations rely on and need to live their lives. And I have to say at least one statistic, less than 1% of people receiving social security payments are fraudulent. The vast majority, over 99% of them, need it. 
So no, most systems already in place around the world are not taken advantage of by what conservatives like to call bludgers. Most people don't want to be on welfare. They want to work and achieve their goals. They don't want to be separated as the poor people in society, the ones who need the government to hold their hands. Just like those of us who are fortunate to not need welfare. Welfare and social security are designed to help individuals and families live when they are in need. So how does universal basic income differ from social security models already in place? Well, the key difference is that everyone has access to these payments, regardless of income and resources at hand. So there is no separation of poor, rich, middle class, working class. It doesn't matter. Why would a society and its government want this? Well, it's fundamentally about equality and allowing everyone the opportunity to pursue their dreams. Let's say you make a decent income as a data entry clerk. You're 45 and you might enjoy your job just fine, but maybe you really regret never going to college to study English literature. If you get paid a basic income, for argument's sake, let's say it's $10,000 per year, totally arbitrary figure, you can probably justify going part-time at work and going back to school to study what you really care about. And then given that it's something that you are passionate about, you can probably make a much greater impact on the world as a scholar or as a teacher or as a writer or as something else we haven't even thought of because this person now has the time to think about how they can best use their time, their most precious resource that they own. And let's face it, data entry has to happen, but it's something that can be automated over time. Why is it that we value someone punching information into a computer more than we value someone writing a novel. Another example that I think many people can get behind. What about an 18-year-old person stacking shelves at a grocery store? Because let's face it, youth don't get good jobs most of the time these days. This person wants to be an athlete, but they also aren't on a college scholarship track. With a basic income, they can probably work a bit less and train, focus on their dreams, focus on what they care about and are passionate about, and use their time again, their biggest resource, in the way that they see it used best. Become an athlete, teach kids sports, whatever it is that they want to do with these skills that they have the time to develop and cherish. Or maybe this person ends up doing nothing. But is that honestly any different to carrying out a job that again can be automated over time? Why do we put so much value on menial labor over exploring our own interests and doing what we love and care about? I mean, the media and society constantly tells us to pursue our dreams, but not everyone can do that. Not everyone's dreams fit within our current economy such that they can live. You need to be able to survive on a daily basis, and universal basic income is a way to foster this. Okay, so with UBI, why should everyone have access to it, including those who make plenty of money? Well, because of fairness. In a world with UBI, incomes would likely be taxed at a higher rate. I think, again, haven't done huge amounts of research on this and how it would work in reality. So it is the right thing to give everyone the right start and the same place in society. I also envisage UBI existing in a world that has automated a lot of industry and invested in capital as a way to value labor beyond its physical abilities. You know, let people look after their families if that's all they want to do. Let them play sports. Let them create art. 
let them sing. Tell everyone that success is not built around you going to work during fixed hours, ticking off tasks, and taking home any size paycheck. This is how I look at it from an economic perspective. In its most simple form, I really believe the concept of universal basic income comes down to how we manage, distribute, and value labor and capital. There are academic papers written by economists in the 1960s that plot labor and capital over time and how many hours each put into producing output, so some kind of service or product. It was predicted then that over time, humans should be working less as capital can take over many tasks, freeing up our time for leisure, creativity, and play. But we all know this didn't happen. People work more now than ever before, as capitalism has been left to run wild. Universal basic income is one part of changing this and moving back to the path that was, I feel, supposed to happen. So that is more or less how I feel about universal basic income in a nutshell. I believe in it. I support it. I think machines can do more for us. And I think we need to value people beyond their ability to have a job and contribute to society in what are frequently meaningless ways when you really think about it. We say it's good to have a job so you can support your family. So why not just support families? So moving forward in my next episode, I really want to unpack this question of, well, what will people do? And look at what a UBI would look like in an ideal world. I want to learn how much it would cost, how long it would take to implement, and what would happen to the capitalist world we currently live in. Would it be unfair to some people and how? How many people will it help? What would the net benefits be and is it even realistic? It's very romantic in my mind right now. I know at this time it is politically non-viable, but is there any chance of changing that? And how do we shift society towards a more empathetic and fair existence? What does the world look like when all the jobs are gone? As always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it to still be interesting, despite its lack of facts and emphasis on feelings. But there is no shame in feelings and being qualitative rather than quantitative, especially in economics, which is very much a behavioural science that is often reduced to just numbers. If you have any thoughts on universal basic income or know of any resources I should look at, I would love to hear from you. Get in touch on Twitter at EveryEconomics or send me an email, economicspodcast at gmail.com. You can find our entire network of shows at Cave Goblins across all social media platforms. And if you're in the charitable mood and want to support our work, head over to patreon.com slash cavegoblins to sign up and receive some exclusive content. Alternatively, you can just leave any of our shows a review on iTunes as this is the easiest way to support our shows. Again, thank you so much for listening. Be kind to each other. I am Talia Murdoch and this has been Everything Economics. I'm Piers Ray. Sitting with me is Eric Ivanovich. My name is Eric Ivanovich. We're the hosts of Podcast vs. Podcast right here on the Cave Goblin Network. This is the only podcast pitching show on the internet. Tune in. Find out if we can ever find the perfect podcast. Or, more importantly, can we agree on it? This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.